Well, good morning and happy Valentine's Day to you, as well as happy Chinese New Year. It's the Chinese New Year today, so happy New Year. (laughs) Open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 8. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and, and we'll get one to you. Got one here in the front row. As we've been going through the book of Joshua, it's been a roller coaster of ups and downs, kind of like life. And I love this book because I I think I can identify in so many ways with the things that are happening. The reality of this story grips my life because it's the life I know. We started off with Joshua being afraid and just being captured with hesitation as Moses had died and now he was in charge of the nation. And God told him over and over again, do not be afraid, do not be terrified. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will not forsake you. And how he encouraged Joshua. And then there was that uplifting moment when they crossed the Jordan And just as God was with Moses, the people saw that God was with Joshua. And they set up a monument and memorial to the event that God had done. They crossed over and they camped at Gilgal, their new base camp, for the first time in hundreds of years. Now in the land that God had promised them. They celebrated the Passover. They rejoiced in what God had done. And then we see that he goes and confronts Jericho, that walled city that stood in his way. And as he's there in Jericho, the commander of the Lord, who we believe is Jesus himself, appears with him and says what to do, how to go forward in this battle to conquer this fortified city. And the way that they're going to conquer it is not conventional. They have to march around the city seven times, the last day, seven times around the city, and then they shout, blow the trumpets, the walls collapse, and there's great victory. And so they're soaring, yeah, we did it, we're great, victory is ours. And then we talked about last chapter, how the actions of one affected the whole nation. That Achan took what he wasn't supposed to. And right after this huge victory, they go out to conquer a small city, Ai. The word Ai means heap. So it couldn't have been a great city if you name your city heap, you know? It's like, wow, that's thinking high there, you know? And so Ai is a small city and they send out a few thousand men and they're routed and they run for their lives and 36 of them lost their life. And we see Joshua take this dive and he starts crying out to God and he says, Lord, why have you done this? Did you bring us out here so that everyone could see and take advantage of us? that we'll be just wiped off the face of the earth. We should have stayed on the other side of Jordan. And what's going to happen to your name 
if we're wiped out. And God told Joshua, get up. There's sin in the camp. There's something wrong. And you need to take care of it. And chapter 7, right after the victory of Jericho, chapter 7 begins with the words, but the Israelites acted unfaithfully. But now we come to chapter 8, and they begin with the words, then the Lord said to Joshua. And we constantly have this ebb and flow of life, this, but we did this, then God did that. We acted this way, but God acts this way. And it's a necessity for us to recognize what is necessary to move forward after defeat, because in your life, in my life, we are going to encounter defeat, hardships, pain, Loss of loved ones, loss of health, loss of homes, financial difficulties. We are going to go through those things. And how do you get out of those things? C.S. Lewis said that God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, and when Joshua comes to this place where he's on the ground, he's, he's tearing his clothes, he's putting dust on him just in mourning and grief because of those he had lost, because of the defeat that they had just encountered, he cries out to God, and it is at that place that God tells him what to do. How to get from this place of defeat, this place where you are down, to a place that gets you out of the pit and moves you forward. And, and it's interesting, we're not going to go into the detail this morning, we will more on Thursday, where Jericho, God did everything, but now here at AI, God gives him strategic plans to divide and conquer the city, and they're pretty ingenious. And that's how God works. Sometimes he says, I want to do it this way. Sometimes I want to do it that way. Jesus sometimes would just speak to someone, they would be healed. Sometimes he spit and made mud and put it on their eyes, and they were healed. I mean, just no rhyme or reason. Why is he doing what he's doing? He's God. He wants us to be following him. He wants us to be attentive to him. And so now he tells Joshua what to do. And I'm going to just point out a few things in a few verses that he's going to talk to Joshua about. Verse 18 of Joshua chapter 8 says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Hold out toward Ai the javelin that is in your hand, for into your hand I will deliver the city. So Joshua held out his javelin toward Ai. Jump down to verse 24. When Israel had finished killing all the men of Ai in the fields and in the desert where they had chased them, and when every one of them had been put, in the, put to the sword, all the Israelites returned to Ai and killed those who were in it. 12,000 men and women fell that day, all the people of Ai, for Joshua did not draw back the hand that held out his javelin until he had destroyed all who lived in Ai. 
Now, we skipped a few verses, but God gave him the commands of what to do, how they were supposed to set an ambush for the people of Ai. They were supposed to have some go and fight the battle while others waited in between Ai and Bethel. And as the battle took place, these soldiers would start running away just as they had done before. And when the city ran after them, then the others would come in behind them, take the city, and they would have them surrounded. And so however long this took place, and it had to be a while, because you're talking about 5,000 men here, you're talking about the thousands that are in the city, you've got the thousands that are on the other side hiding in wait. And all that time, Joshua is standing with his spear, the javelin, the entire time. Any of you guys work out? Yeah, me too. Uh. (laughs) You know that repetition, after a while, it's not how much weight, even a small amount of weight, repeated enough becomes heavy. Holding a javelin up for hours and hours and hours would take its toll. And I think that when the Lord spoke these words to Joshua, what he wanted him to do, a light went on. And he remembered something that he had forgotten years ago. Have you ever remembered in the instant you're supposed to do something and all of a sudden, you know, the phone rings And you remember, oh, I was supposed to be here. One time I was managing a music store in Pomona and I was the only one who had the key. The owner had given me the key and I lived in Glendora and I remember sleeping and I was in Hawaii, you know, at least in my mind or something like that. I I was having a wonderful time and then all of a sudden the phone rang. And it was one of those things, the phone rang and I opened my eyes, you know, and I didn't see the palm trees. I saw, you know, the ceiling and the light. And all of a sudden, my head popped off the pillow and I go, oh, no. I looked at the clock and I was supposed to unlock the store 15 minutes ago. I made it from Glendora to Pomona in an unrealistic time. I think time travel took place somewhere between then. And I got there and, you know, I I make it my way and I I threw on some clothes, I think. I'm sure I did. And and I get there to the, the store and there's the owner sitting there. He has no key. There's some customers waiting to get into the store. And here I come, you know, my hair is all one side like Gumby, you know, and I just, I get there and like, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, boom, as soon as that phone rang, the light went on and said, you're supposed to be there. And you see, I think when the Lord spoke to Joshua and he said, I want you to take that javelin and I want you to hold it up. The entire time, I think a light went on in Joshua's mind. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. Now, what we're going to read in Exodus 17 is actually the first thing that was ever penned by Moses. 
This was written before the accounts of the judges, before the stories that took place in Genesis. This was the first thing written, and then we see it here in a chronological place. But this is actually the first part of the scriptures that was ever written. In Exodus chapter 17, starting at verse 8, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. Listen to this, verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that who hears it? Joshua hears it. Because I will completely blot out the memory of the Amalekites from under heaven. Make sure that Joshua hears this. See, Joshua is a soldier. He's a general. He's there and he's in the battle and he's got his eyes on the things going on and unbeknownst to him, up on the hill is Moses with his staff. Now, Moses is a shepherd and so he has a staff and he's there with his staff raised and as long as his hands were raised, the battle was going. As soon as his hands got tired, he went down, the Amalekites started having victory. But you see, Joshua, he's not going, is Moses' hands? He's in the battle. All he sees is what's going on. It's like, man, they're gaining on us. Okay, we've got to push forward. Hey, we're winning now. We're doing it. We're doing it. Unknowing that it was Moses who was winning the battle. The guy up there just with his arms outstretched to God was winning the battle. And so when the battle is done and it's victorious and they're winning, the Lord says, make sure you tell Joshua what happened here today. It's not by might. It's not by power. It is by my spirit, says the Lord, he tells us in Zechariah. And Joshua needs to know that. Why? Because God is prepping Joshua. He's prepping Joshua for this day. And when the Lord tells Joshua, I want you to hold up that javelin, I imagine Joshua's eyes went, oh my. Oh my. I remember what the Lord had Moses tell me. I remember. And so we see he holds up the javelin. And he knows at this point it's about the Lord. And he doesn't put it down until the battle is over. He continues that. You see, it was a wake-up call for Joshua. We talked last Thursday night how there were some things that Joshua failed to do that led to the defeat, things that they failed to do 
One is they failed to pray. They didn't seek the Lord. They just went right, right from Jericho to Ai. Hey, we took Jericho. We can take Ai. No problem. No consulting the Lord. No waiting on the Lord. They were overconfident, trusting in themselves. And they weren't aware that they were disobedient. And those things led to their defeat. And you see, Joshua had forgotten. I need to consult the Lord. I need to see what God wants to do. So the defeat comes and he is devastated. 36 people that he was responsible for died. They had families, wives, children. And so there are probably hundreds that were affected by this battle and Joshua is taking the burden of it. And as he cries out to God and wondering, God, why is this happening? God tells him what to do. And you think, well, it wasn't Joshua's fault. How, How could he know? You know, it was Achan's fault. But you see, Joshua did forget something. He neglected the important thing. And that was the Lord. He neglected what was necessary, the things that were important for him. Reminds me of the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation chapter 2. The Lord says, I I know your good works, how you test those that are false and and you, you find them out and how you're doing all these good things. But I have something against you. You have forsaken your first love. What should be most important to you is not. And you need to repent. You need to make a change and and get back right with me. Throughout our lives, we are going to go through the highs, through the lows, And all along, God has got a megaphone that is shouting to us through those times of difficulty, through those times of pain, that I am here, do not forget me. Lord, it's okay. I'm doing well. I'm going to church. The job's going okay. The kids are doing all right. Things are all right. I'm doing fine. I'm doing what I need to do. I'm going through all the right motions, and I've got things going on. Don't be surprised if when you hit the wall and you get a nosebleed and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, what happened? What's going on here? God isn't there saying, you forgot something. You forgot me. And the victory that came to them, to Ai, did not come because of their mighty battle. It came because the Lord was with them. And we can't forget that. If we do forget that, we're going to be defeated. And this takes place, this dependency, this reliancy, this passion for the Lord, we see it throughout the scriptures. We, we see it with 
Elisha and the king Jehoash in 2 Kings 13. When they're there battling at Aram, and Elisha tells the king, get a bunch of arrows and I want you to, to beat them on the ground. And Jehoash takes the arrows and he, he taps them on the ground three times. And Elisha gets angry with him and he says, why did you do that? Because you only tapped them on the ground three times, now you will only have partial victory. You should have beat them on the ground six or seven times so you would have had full victory. You see, the idea is you don't recognize this. You're not passionate for what the battle is. You don't care about the things that God cares about. And so you're half-heartedly going into them and you will not be victorious if you are half-heartedly into it. I think of Jacob when Esau, his brother, is coming after him. And the angel of the Lord, again, who we believe to be a manifest, manifestation of Jesus Christ, starts wrestling with him. And they wrestle all night in Genesis 32. And as they're wrestling, finally, the daylight is coming. And Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And it says that he touched Jacob's side and he crippled him. And then it says, and Jacob was victorious. Wait, he was crippled. How could he be victorious? Because he didn't let go. And he received the blessing of God because he would not let go. Joshua would not put the javelin down. I remember. I remember the Lord. I will not forget. I will be passionate for my God and I will live for him and I will not quit. Have you ever felt like quitting? I have. And the words of Peter came echoing back in my soul. Where else am I going to go? Lord, you alone have the words of eternal life. I've got nothing else but you. And it was finally at that time of desperation, of brokenness, that I look up, that I say, okay, you are first. You are the first and primary thing in my life, Lord. I will not let go. I will hold that javelin, and I will hold on, and I will not let go. Daniel chapter 10, prayed for 21 days. He didn't eat. He didn't drink. He waited for 21 days praying. And then Michael, the archangel, came down and ministered to him and said, I heard your prayer, but I was hindered by the the prince of Persia, it says. Whoever, whatever that was, some demonic activity. But for 21 days, he prayed and he did not stop and then the answer came you see sometimes it lasts more than a day it's funny a week ago before in joshua's life they were living high on the victory of jericho just conquering what god had done and now they're coming to the place and i know that's how my life is sometimes Things are going great, man. God is good. And boom, a phone call. The next morning you wake up, something happens. You look at your balance on the you know, bank statement, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, oh, dear. Oh, no. 
And I know that happens with you. I have talked to some of you. I, it's, it, it, it's not amusing, but it kind of is. You know, I'll talk to some of you and you'll be, how are things going? Oh, things are going great. God's doing such neat things. Oh, it's powerful in my life. And then I'll get a phone call the next day. Pray for me, man. Things are bad. And I'm like, man, it's only been a day. What happened? How do you go from that high to that low? I know how you go from that high to that low. I've been there. But the thing is, what do you do when you hit the low? Where do you go? You've got nowhere else. Like Jacob, you have to hold on. I am not letting go until I get the blessing. Like Joshua, you have to hold the javelin up, and I'm not putting this down until the victory is complete. I will not stop. I am passionate. I am fervent. I will not quit. I cannot quit. I will hold on to you, God, forever. Forever. And sometimes it's holding on through tears. Sometimes it's holding on on your knees. I don't know what that whistle is. We're calling all the dogs in the neighborhood. (laughs) But we cannot quit. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, I am ready to be poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I didn't give up. And you see, Joshua had seen his comrades, his brothers, die. He knows the cost of giving up. I have seen too many people fall by the wayside. I have seen too many of my brothers and sisters devastated in their lives, ruined because they gave up, because they quit. And they've been ravaged. And I've seen too many people where I just, I'm not going to put the javelin down. I will hold it up. I will not put it down. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not going to stop until the battle is won. We can't. We can't. I don't know how many times Corrine and I have just cried over our children throughout a night of something going on where all we can do is cry out to God. We cannot quit. What are we going to do? They're our children. We love them. Jesus said he'll leave the 99 and go find the one that is lost. He does not give up on us. He does not quit. Hebrews tells us, since we are surrounded by these examples, this witness, let us put aside the weight and the sins that would so easily beset us. And let us instead run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us fix our eyes on him and let us keep the javelin raised. I won't put it down. Not until the victory is won. I cannot give up. 
Philippians tells us, brothers, do not consider myself, or Paul says in Philippians 3.13, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I strain, I press, I am in this for the long term. I am not going to give up. I'm going to hold the javelin and I'm going to keep it raised for hours, for days, for years until the Lord takes me home. I am going to persevere till the end. And I'm going to have my highs and I'm going to have my lows. And you are too. But in those times where it's dark and it seems like the valley of the shadow of death, I know that you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now the rod and the staff were meant for discipline. They give the sheep a good whack if they're walking off the path. Sometimes I need a good whack. And God needs to get me back on the path. Because God whispers in our pleasures. He, he talks to us in our conscience, but he shouts at us in our pain. You see, when you are brokenhearted, when you are at the depths, God is shouting at you, do you remember me? Do you remember what I told you? You cannot do this by yourself. Remember what Moses wrote down just so you would know it was me all along. Do you remember? And so those times of pain and, and heartache, I know we, we don't like them and we'd like to take a detour around them, but hear the voice of God in them. In the time of defeat, when you've lost those around you and when you are brokenhearted and you are devastated and you cry out to the Lord, hear his voice saying, this is what you need to do and recognize what we need to do is put our trust and dependency on him. And then we do not let. Heaven and earth will pass away. I will not let go. I will hold on to you because you alone have the words of eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, after we have done all that we can do to stand, you tell us to stand after we've done all that we can do, we need to continue doing it more. And God, our strength isn't enough. We grow weary and weak. But those who trust in you, Lord, will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. 
they will not faint. And so, Father, may we take hold of this life that you've called us to and not let go. May you remain our first love. May you be the passion of our life that holds us when things are good and when things are bad. May we wrestle with you through those times, but may we never let go. And may we live lives of obedient surrender. And may we not give up on those around us as well. Lord, when they asked you how many times should a person forgive, and they said seven, and you said, oh, 70 times seven. Lord, may our hearts be as generous as yours. And Father, I know that you desire and are trying to encourage us and want us to hold on. And Lord, you leave it up to us how we will respond. And I pray, Father, that our response would be that of Joshua, where we will wait till the battle is over, but we will not give up. We will not let go. We are holding on, Lord. Let's stand together.